Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Squarespace. Architects, art galleries, graphic designers, furniture makers, museums, performing artists, sports teams, personal trainers, and lawyers. Those are just some of the people who use Squarespace. (laughs) True. Ready to start your new business? Make it stand out. Get started with Squarespace. Create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a new website. Showcase your work or sell products, pundits barking, and services of all kinds. Squarespace gives you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, the ability to customize look and feel, settings, products, and more with just a few clicks. Nothing to patch or upgrade upgrade ever. And 24-7 award-winning customer support. Think it, dream it, make it. With Squarespace. With Squarespace. Think it. (laughs) Go to squarespace.com for pundits barking for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CONVOS. To save, Leo is home with Emily to save 10% mm-hmm. off your first purchase of a website or domain. <laughs> Destiny's calling, <laughs> pundits barking. He says you need a new website. Make it with Squarespace. Hey, everybody, you're listening to Crooked Conversations. I'm John Lovett. And on today's episode, we've got a fascinating interview between DeRay McKesson, host of Pod Save the People, and writer Ari Berman about how the GOP is rigging elections. They break down some tactics that are often used to swing polls in favor of Republicans like gerrymandering, voter ID laws, and dark money in politics. Ari Berman has been one of the most exhaustive reporters on this issue. There are a few people who have done more work and gone to more places to get to the bottom of the ways in which people are being disenfranchised in the United States right now. It's a great conversation. It's fascinating. I hope you enjoy it. And go listen to Pod Save the People. Go listen to all the podcasts, frankly. But, you know, start with this quick conversation right now because you're here. And um, that's it. Ari, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Dre, thank you so much for having me back. Now, I wanted to talk about what's happening with the midterms. You know, on the news recently, we talked about how the Koch brothers are investing $400 million in the midterms, which is crazy. And in trying to figure out like how we counteract that, you are an expert on gerrymandering and, and the different tools that uh, people use to suppress the vote. I read an article that you recently put out called How the GOP Rigs Elections. You essentially talk about three big buckets, gerrymandering, voter ID, and dark money. Can we walk through them? Yes, let's walk through them. So gerrymandering. I think the gerrymandering means when people, when legislators cut up districts in ways that aren't about evenly spreading out neighborhoods or geography, but are solely about maintaining political power. That is what I think. Is that right? Am I close? Yeah, I think that's a good definition. Okay, what's going on? So basically what happens is every 10 years, the census comes out, and then after that, districts are drawn based on that census data. And what happened after the 2010 election was Republicans gained these huge majorities all across the country, particularly in really important swing states like Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and North Carolina, and that put them in control of drawing the districts. And they drew the districts in a very ruthless way. 
to maximize their power. And so what happened was you had these states that were basically 50-50 swing states, places like Wisconsin that were kind of quintessential uh, swing states. Sometimes they were red, sometimes they were blue, but they were basically purple. And what happened was by virtue of winning one election in 2010 and controlling the drawing of districts, they were essentially able to lock in their majorities for the next decade. So regardless of what happened at the national level, Republicans would remain in control of the states. And you just look at Wisconsin, the numbers are just so unbelievable. In 2012, Barack Obama won Wisconsin by seven points. Democratic candidates for the state legislature in Wisconsin got 51.4% of votes, but Republicans won 60 of 99 seats in the Wisconsin State Assembly. So basically you have a situation where one party is getting a minority of votes but a majority of seats. And that's not how we think of democracy and one person, one vote, and the guy who gets the most votes wins. That's not how it's supposed to be. Were we asleep at the wheel when this happened? Like, how did it, how did it happen all across the country to have such an incredible impact in a negative way and, and, and we didn't realize it? Or did we realize it and like couldn't stop it? Like, how did we get here? Well, I think Democrats were just in a fog in 2010. I mean, there was such jubilation when Barack Obama was elected in 2008. Then the economic crisis happened. Uh, Obamacare was very unpopular, and Republicans won this huge victory in 2010. I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, Democrats will just recover in 2012. And indeed, they did recover. Barack Obama was reelected in 2012. The problem was, by virtue of winning that election, after the census came out and, and when redistricting happened, Republicans were able to control a majority for basically a decade. So it's, it's 2018 now. And no, with everything that's happened, Republicans are still in control of Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and North Carolina and all of these other states. So it almost doesn't matter what happens at the presidential level or the national level. Republicans have gerrymandered these states so effectively that they're secure in their majorities, absent just an unbelievable wave or absent the maps being struck down and redrawn by the courts. Is it, are we just, is there anything we can do? Are we just, like, are, are we supposed to be aware of it and, you know, try and take them to court? Like, what can we, what can we do? I'm assuming we know the districts now, right? Like we know the heavily gerrymandered districts across the country. We do. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we know where they are. I mean, you know, I talk about an example in Wisconsin where a Republican state senator, they took a 50-50 swing district in Racine, which is in southeast Wisconsin, and they basically did a situation where they included the House of the Republican state senator, but they excluded all of his Democratic neighbors to make it a Republican what? district. So, so I mean, I, I went to this guy's house. He's a former cop. You'll like this, Dre. He had a We Back the Badge sign I read outside in, in his front yard. And so I went to his house. I walked two houses to the south where there was a new block. That was the end of the district. So I, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Like there was nothing remarkable about like the next block other than the fact that this was a Democratic neighborhood, they took all the Democrats out of his neighborhood, but he didn't have to move, and they put all the Republican countryside of Southeast Wisconsin in his district instead. So it's very obvious the kind of gerrymandering. We know about it now. 
I think obviously it's being challenged in the courts in Wisconsin and other states. They've they've challenged these laws. The maps have actually been struck down by the lower courts, and now it's going to the Supreme Court. So everyone's kind of waiting to see what the Supreme Court's going to do. I think the other thing that people are doing are trying to put uh, referendums on the ballot in places like Michigan, for example, for independent gerrymandering. So no matter who's in control, politicians don't draw their own districts. So that's a fundamental conflict of interest. And I think we saw in wait, Virginia. Wait, stop right there. What, what, um, what to explain what a petition would do? Like, I don't, I don't know what independent gerrymandering is. What does that sure. mean? So basically, like, there are, there are a number of different examples. But like, for example, in Iowa, there's an independent commission that draws the districts. So they basically think about how to draw the districts in the fairest possible way to make the state as competitive as possible. And politicians really don't have a say in the process. This has been going on for a long time. It's it's well respected. It's independent, uh, and that 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 way you get a situation where politicians aren't drawing their own districts. There's not a fundamental conflict of interest. So, people are trying to put that kind of thing on the ballot in certain states where they can to try to take gerrymandering out of the hands of politicians and and give it to um, an independent commission, whether that's former judges or, or other people that can be more impartial in terms of how the districts are drawn. And do we know how many states have independent commissions to to draw the districts? Not that many states. Uh, Iowa has one. Uh, California has one. Uh, Arizona has one. Um, but it's pretty rare. I mean, in most states in the country, uh, politicians draw their own districts. And there, there you get a situation where, you know, in Maryland and Illinois, Democrats are gerrymandering the system. Uh, in all these Republican-controlled states, Republicans are gerrymandering the system. And I, I don't think that's really good for anybody. Interesting. So for, you know, I think about, I just went to a fundraiser for Swing Left the other day. And are you familiar with them? Yes, I am. So we think about, they've mapped out the swing districts and, um, and what does it mean? Like if a swing district is gerrymandered, what do we do? Well, I think look at Virginia, for example, Virginia was a state that was pretty badly gerrymandered and Democrats were actually able to pick up a lot of seats in Virginia. In 2017, they won, I think, 15 seats in the state legislature, which really shocked everybody. However, they would have won a lot more seats had it not have been for gerrymandering, because you had a situation where Democrats won over 200,000 more votes than Republicans, but they still don't control the Virginia House because of gerrymandering. So I think we see that gerrymandering is not insurmountable. If enough people get out and vote, you can overcome some of these obstacles. Uh, but I also think it shows that there are limits to what you can achieve because of it. And so there are a lot of open seats that are not in gerrymandered states, right? So, I mean, I think Democrats have a very good chance in places like New York and New Jersey and California, uh, where there are fairer districts. The thing that worries me is we're in a situation now where, whether it's North Carolina or Texas or Wisconsin, where the courts have already ruled these districts are unconstitutional, but they haven't been withdrawn. So basically, there are going to be, in my view, illegal elections oh, in wow. these states. Because people, the courts have already ruled that these districts are unconstitutional, that they need to be withdrawn to be more fair. But basically, because the Supreme Court is taking so long to rule in these cases, it's very unlikely that the districts are going to be withdrawn, redrawn in Texas or North Carolina uh, or Wisconsin. And, and so I just think it's a sad situation where we know these districts are unfair. We know that they need to be withdrawn. We know that they violate the Constitution, but yet the elections are going to take place under them and have taken place under them for now three, four, five election cycles. Got it.
Now, voter ID, you know, we've had a lot of people in the pod. We had uh, Kat Colvin from Spread the Vote, who is out there actually helping people get their IDs. We've had um, we've had a lot of people come on and talk about voter ID, Rock the Vote, uh, the Committee on um, Civil Rights, the Brennan Center. What is there anything new that we need to know about voter ID that that we haven't that like hasn't broken through the public conversation? Well, I think that, that you and others have done a really good job in helping people understand what these laws are really all about. Because I, I, I know when I you know, first started writing about uh, voting rights in, in 2011, a lot of people were like, what's the big deal? You know, everyone has ID. This, this isn't discriminatory. And I think that with more and more education, that has, people have begun to see the real purpose of these laws, that African-Americans and other communities of color are much less likely to possess these IDs, that there's no voter fraud to justify these laws, that in fact, a pretty sizable amount of Americans uh, don't have these forms of IDs. I think people have a better understanding of what these laws are. I still don't think we totally understand the impact of these laws. And that's why I've spent a lot of time in Wisconsin, because in, in Wisconsin is a state where, you know, 9% of registered voters voters didn't have these strict forms of ID in 2016. Uh, African-Americans were 50% more likely than whites to not have them. And in fact, if you look at studies that came out after the election, uh, thousands of people weren't able to vote because of these laws. So I think it had a really big impact in shifting states like Wisconsin uh, over to Donald Trump. Because remember, you can't gerrymander a presidential election. Gerrymandering only applies uh, to state legislative races and and U.S. House districts. So if you're trying to get an advantage for a Senate race, for a governor's race, for a presidential election, that's where the voter suppression uh, kicks in. My, My concern here is that the, the main way that people have fought voter ID laws historically has been through the courts. And the courts are getting more and more conservative. Uh, Donald Trump has nominated and, and con- Donald Trump has gotten over a dozen appeals court nominations confirmed. So even if a law is struck down by the lower courts, it goes to the Court of Appeals, who are going to be much less sympathetic to striking down these laws. Then if even if it survives the Court of Appeals, it goes to the Supreme Court, which has a 5-4 conservative majority. So I'm concerned about what's happening in the courts, and I think that's why the organizing efforts against these laws, I think, are really important, the work that the ACLU and Spread the Vote and all these other groups are doing. I also think it's one reason why If you think about how to combat a rigged system, you have to try to unrig the system. And I think the best way to try to unrig the system is to expand the size of the electorate and try to get more people out to vote. So in addition to trying to get people the ideas they need, I think it's really important to think about passing things like automatic voter registration that expands the size of the electorate, that makes registration a lot more easy, that that makes a much bigger pool of people. Because if you have a, a much larger electorate, it's much harder for voter suppression laws to work effectively. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Ring. Ring. Our new new sponsor, Ring, first made a splash when they were on Shark Tank a few years ago. Huh? Whoa. Huh? If someone rings your doorbell and you aren't home or don't want to come to the front door, you can respond to the person using just your smartphone, adding a level of both security and convenience. This would have been great when Lovett was our neighbor. <laughs> that heart would have hurtful thing to say and also not practical. Because we're, not we're, practical. We're gonna, you were right there. I would just stay right there. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Today, over a million people are using the Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. And now Ring has a great new product called the Ring Floodlight Cam. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, the Floodlight Cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight 
with HD video and two-way audio that lets you know the moment anyone steps onto your property. You can see and speak to visitors, even set off a built-in alarm right from your phone. I'll tell you that Ring has deterred some bad actions uh, from me personally. Oh, tell us. Because uh, without, I'm going to be try to be vague. There's someone on our block who is next to somebody, and they stay up. They they put out loud music and have parties into the middle of the night. This and, is not my brother. Yes. Well, no, no. Your brother doesn't have the parties. Right. Your brother right. is being kept awake by said parties, uh-huh. and so. I thought I would just let Pundit poop on this person's lawn and not pick it up as like a habit. But then they got, and I never did it because <laughs> for the- <laughs> I hate to see what the not careful version of this is like. Uh, and then I never did it because they had a ring alarm and it was sitting there like Big Brother preventing me from <laughs> preventing me from taking my revenge. There you go, ring. Now, as a listener, you too <laughs> can, you know, avoid having neighbors have their dog poop on your lawn out of vengeance. <laughs> um, you can save up to $150 off a Ring of Security kit when you go to ring.com slash crooked convos. Up to $150 off at ring.com slash crooked convos. That's ring.com slash crooked convos. And if, look, if there was somebody spotted with a balaclava hurling poop onto their lawn, that was not me. Crooked Conversations is brought to you by Spotify. Pop your political bubble with Keep It, a new spotlight podcast on Spotify. Have you guys heard about that? It's hilarious. Uh, hosted by Ira Madison, Keep It discusses pop culture, politics, and what happens when they smack into each other at alarming speed. And with Spotlight, you now get photos, videos, and animations that get you closer than ever to the real story. Keep It, a new Spotlight podcast only on Spotify. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The third, which I am um, fascinated by and I know the least about, is the dark money. Um, you know, I, on the news recently, we talked about the Koch brothers putting $400 million in, and that's upcoming. But you have done work on the impact of dark money so far, and I'm fascinated to understand that better. Well, I think everyone's just become kind of numb to billionaires buying our elections. Like, like this is how it's going to be. Like, everyone who runs for office is going to have their, like, pet billionaire. Uh, and that's just how the system works on both sides of the aisle. Uh, But I think if you really want to see the impact of dark money, you have to look at the state level. And that's really why I wanted to drill down on the impact of dark money in Wisconsin, because the Koch brothers and others basically made Wisconsin their guinea pig for trying to take over the state politically. And and one of the things... Why Wisconsin? Like, what's special about Wisconsin? Well, Wisconsin has historically been one of the most progressive states in the country. It's a state that gave birth to public unions. It's a state that gave birth to Social Security. It's a state that had Hmm. the best public schools in the country. And so for all of those reasons, I think the idea was, you know, if you can crush unions in Wisconsin 
if you can crush the social safety net in Wisconsin, if you can privatize schools in Wisconsin, if you could do it there, you can export that all across the country. And so I think Wisconsin wasn't just a state that they focused on because it was one state. It was really a model for what they wanted to be able to do. And, and so when Scott Walker and the Republicans came in after the 2010 elections, uh, that's when they started doing all of these things. It started with the union busting and the law that basically got rid of collective bargaining rights for public sector unions, and we saw these huge protests uh, at the legislature. But then they did the gerrymandering, the voter suppression, and, and the dark money. And the dark money was really interesting to see how it worked, because Scott Walker faced a recall election in 2012, and he couldn't raise uh, – he had to basically disclose who his donors were. And he had limits on how much he could raise. So what Scott Walker did is he went all across the country raising money from rich people, including Donald Trump, who he visited Trump Tower. And he said, don't give me the money. Give the money to dark money groups that don't have to disclose their donors and that can accept unlimited donations. So they actually wrote this in, in emails, in fundraising emails. They said, the governor is encouraging everyone to give to groups that don't have to disclose their donors and can accept unlimited donations. So he went all across the country raising money f for these dark money groups for his own election campaign, which was really, really shocking. And then what happened was these billionaire donors got an enormous return on their investment after Scott Walker was reelected. I talk about one guy who's a, a Republican billionaire named Harold Simmons from Texas, and his company manufactured lead paint. Remember, lead is what contaminated the water in places like Flint. Mm -hmm. So after this Republican billionaire gives $750,000, not to Scott Walker, but to a dark money group that doesn't have to disclose their donors, then the Wisconsin legislature turns around and passes a law that prevents children who are sickened by lead paint from suing lead paint companies. And that's just one example of how, of how this dark money works. Then the Wisconsin legislature basically decided to deregulate the entire campaign finance system in Wisconsin. Wisconsin had one of the best election laws in the country, one of the, the best systems for trying to root out corruption. But what they did is they essentially made it legal for Scott Walker to, to coordinate with these dark money groups. They allowed corporations to give unlimited amount of monies to political parties. They doubled the amount that individuals could give. It was like all down the line. And then Scott Walker was investigated for a criminal scheme where basically prosecutors said he was not able to legally coordinate with these dark money groups. And the legislature shut down that investigation and basically made it so that prosecutors can't investigate political corruption in Wisconsin anymore. What? So, I mean, you really see in Wisconsin just how the Koch brothers and, and other billionaires have just taken over a state politically and basically made it the Wild West for dark money there. I had no clue about this at all. Yeah, like I said, I think we've just become kind of numb to this. Like we've we've just sort of said like, oh, well, everyone just raises money from rich people and that's just how it works. Um, but I think if you if you look at the local level, that's where you see the money having the biggest impact. That's where the donors are getting the biggest bang for their buck. And, and that's where they are really determining uh, not only who wins the election, but what the legislative priorities are once those people are in power. So um, to, to me, this is, this is really disturbing. And I think something that, that needs more attention. What do we do to combat the $400 million investment that the Koch brothers are putting into the midterms? 
Well, I mean, I think the best thing would, would be to get a different Supreme Court uh, that, that, that didn't uh, allow the Citizens United decision where you can basically give unlimited amounts of money in secret uh, to uh, political candidates. That ship has sailed for a while. That's not going to happen. So I think you have to figure out you know, what you can do at the local level. I think you know, raising a lot of money from small donors uh, can certainly help. I think that trying to get back to doing public financing of elections is really, really important. If you look at New York City, for example, that has public financing, you have a lot more uh, progressive candidates, a lot more candidates of color that are elected in places like New York that have uh, public financing. So, I mean, I think we have to get back to the idea that the amount of money in our elections is a fundamental threat to democracy. And, and we've kind of moved away from that. People have just kind of accepted the unlimited amount of spending. People have kind of just accepted that it, the Koch brothers and everyone has a right to give as much money as they want to political campaigns. And I really don't think uh, that's how it should be because you look, it's not just the fact that they're elected people, it's that they're, they're literally determining the outcomes here where uh, nobody seemed to want this tax bill to pass, but Republicans were openly saying we need to pass this because our donors are telling us to. And so the Koch brothers decide that after the tax bill passes, they're going to give $500,000 to Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, that made that happen. I mean, that's basically just legalized bribery here. Um, and I think we've just become numb to the fact that it's going on. But, but it, it really shouldn't – we shouldn't just become accustomed to a system where billionaires are just buying elections routinely. I, I think that that has to be something that, that sparks outrage and action. Yeah, I don't even know if people are numb. I think they don't know, you know? Like, I would never imagine that Wisconsin would pass laws to stop the investigation of corruption. Like, that is, of all the things that I'm like, wow, this really wild thing happened. Like, that isn't on, yeah. my, on my list. Well, every day someone, you wake up and you're like, how is this happening? How is this happening? There's like 50,000 things every single day that are not normal right now. Um, but, I, but I think that the, the, the legalized corruption that we're seeing is impacting basically every decision that's made. That you know, once the Koch brothers and other people can essentially control the government, um, that's going to impact everything that, that those politicians do. And, and so I, I do think that there needs to be more awareness of it. I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, Donald Trump is a billionaire, you know, he's going to be independent. Uh, he's not going to be beholden to these interests. But I mean, it's very, very clear that, uh, that, that the Republican Party is beholden to these interests. And the Democratic Party, honestly, has a lot of the same problems because you know, they want to be the party that stands up for the little guy. They want to be the party that stands up for working Americans. But then they have to raise money from a lot of these same donors, not necessarily the Koch brothers, but they have to raise money from Wall Street and they have to raise money from their own set of billionaires. And that puts the Democratic Party in a fundamental contradiction, as we saw with, with Hillary Clinton in 2016. Now, can you talk about some places where change is happening in a good way? Like, are there places fighting back against this that we should know about? Any of these things like voter ID or dark money or um, gerrymandering? So one of the things that, that I'm interested in is just states that are trying to 
unrig the system to, to make it easier for people to participate. So I look at Oregon, for example, um, which has automatic voter registration. And so basically you go to Oregon and, and if you go to the DMV and they can confirm that you're 18 years old, that you're, uh, that you're a resident of the state and, and that you're a U.S. citizen, they'll automatically register you to vote. So uh, Oregon registered 300,000 people in the last election this way and actually had the highest increase in voter turnout in the last election, even though it wasn't even a swing state. So I think we saw how that worked in Oregon. Uh, now, 10 states have passed automatic voter registration. So in the span of just a few years, 10 states have adopted this. And I think that's the kind of thing that we need to see everywhere. And there, there's some new opportunities here. For example, uh, New Jersey now has democratic government for the first time. So they have the possibility of passing these kind of laws. I know you've talked on the show about Florida and the fact that you could end a felon disenfranchisement there, which would just be huge because such a large percentage of of people of color that are disenfranchised live in the state of Florida, and it's such an important swing state. So it's both good democracy and, for democracy, and it's politically uh, important. Um, I think the, the gerrymandering stuff is right now tied up in the courts, and I think a lot of people are hopeful about what the courts um, might do, but that's why I still think that people have to push forward uh, on trying to think about how to do independent gerrymandering, how to put things on the ballot, because gerrymandering is actually pretty unpopular. A lot of Republicans don't like gerrymandering either. A lot of voters don't like gerrymandering either. So I think this is something that can, to some extent, even though it's become very partisan, uh, in terms of the elected officials, at the local level, I think in, among the voters, it can transcend some partisan lines. Then in terms of dark money, some cities are doing interesting things. So like Seattle's giving everyone a democracy voucher where basically uh, people decide how much they want to spend on a candidate, but it's essentially public money. So you're, you're not outlawing the amount of money, you're just incentivizing people to actually seek public financing instead of trying to raise money for billionaires, and you're actually giving voters a say in terms of how they want to spend that money. And so I think those kind of innovative ideas are really important at a time when the, the Congress is deadlocked. There's obviously not a sympathetic ally in the White House, and many of these states are still controlled um, by these very conservative Republican majorities. So you kind of have to think outside the box. And the blue states, which actually have Democratic control and have the possibility of passing better legislation, they have to become models for those other states that have yet to change. And where can people go to, to follow your work and to stay abreast on these issues? Uh, they can read me at motherjones.com. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter uh, at Ari Berman. I'm also writing for uh, Rolling Stone, the New York Times Magazine, some of those other um, publications. So I'm trying to get the word out, and uh, I really appreciate you devoting so much time on your show to digging into these core questions of democracy. Cool. Well, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today, and we'll need to make sure that you keep updating us so we know what's going on. Thanks a lot, dear. Anytime. That was DeRay McKesson, host of Pond Save the People, talking to the writer Ari Berman. Hope you enjoyed their crooked conversation. And um, that's it, you know? That's the end of the episode. You're in it. You're hearing the outro music. Goodbye. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event. 
with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.